Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. I am excited to be back. It has been a few weeks since I have put out a podcast. Reason being is because on Sundays, a few of us have been tested on our knowledge and understanding of specific things that we have been learning here on Take It or Leave It. So as a reminder, for those of you who do not know, as I receive the teachings from my ministry, the teachings of Jesus, I am so excited to share them with you. So I create these podcasts and I share them based on my understanding, which of course I believe based on the word of Jesus that I am understanding through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So recently we have been sitting through service, getting a refresher on things that have already been documented on this podcast. So for example, somebody was speaking on the righteousness of man. I was speaking on the righteousness of of God through us, and then another person was speaking on the righteousness of God for the past three Sundays, and it has been so challenging um, and so nice to get out of my comfort zone in that way. I can just recall before during this podcast, this was me getting out of my comfort zone. I can see how I have been stretched and how I have grown. So speaking in front of a live audience with a microphone, all of that, like a, like a pastor, like a teacher. That's new for me. So it was really refreshing, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been able to do that. But today, we are back at it. We are entering a new series about the Holy Word of God that is living and powerful. And I want to start by going into Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. And it reads, For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater verse 11 so shall my word the word of God be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it I also want to read Jeremiah 23, verse 29, and it says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So in Jeremiah, he's prophesying, right? This is the word of God through Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said, Is not my word like fire? Meaning, my word, the holy word of God burns. The power of it can melt, declares the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces. Now, if you know about rocks, you know that rocks are made of many different elements. And some rocks can't be burned by fire. And the reason they cannot be burned by fire is because of their strength, their hardness, how they're made up. But a hammer can break them. Amen? Okay? 
Human beings profess to be serious, but they do not handle the word of God with reverence today in seriousness. We have a whole series on fearing the Lord, and I highly encourage you to listen to every single episode because one, it is eye-opening. Two, there are many churches doing it wrong and leading people down a path of destruction, a path that goes straight to hell. So I really encourage you to listen and, and take notes during that. Learn it, become an expert in it so that you can also help spread this message. Amen. So again, we learned about the fear of the Lord already. And when you fear the Lord, you handle the word of God with honor and respect. And we know the one who spoke it. If you fear the Lord, then you would also fear his words. God spoke the word. And because he is God, we fear it. It's simple as that. We believe it and we act on what was said. Right? We don't make God wait. When God says it, you cannot hesitate. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And, and before we actually read that, please take note that we, we do reference a lot of scripture here. And this is just an intro into this new series. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So who inspires the scripture? God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Amen. So profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? Right? The principle, the policy, the standard. It's profitable. The word, the scripture, it scolds us according to the word of God. Profitable meaning that it works. Profitable for ruling policy. So profitable for Correction, profitable for instruction and righteousness. And there is a standard and the standard is God. So the standard is perfection. So verse 17, that the man of God may be complete. Okay, so through the scripture that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, verse 17, that a man may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I always make a point to reference this, but when it says a man of God may be complete, man or woman, okay? May the man of God or woman of God be perfect, be complete. Though we will never be perfect, it should still be the goal. Today, the world, they, they do it backwards. They want you to sit in your imperfections and say, I'm good enough. It's all about self-love. That's what the world says. But God says, follow my example. Okay, be careful that you are not deceived by these things in this world. Okay, because the word says we should be thoroughly equipped. It is your and my responsibility to know what is said in the word as well. Because how do you expect someone to be a servant if they are not even rooted in the word of God? You cannot profit from it if you are not rooted in it and you are not living it. There needs to be a policy followed. There's a standard. It's like a handbook for a company. It applies to everybody who works there. This is our standard. If we are on earth, this is our standard. The point of the word of God is to aim for perfection based on what he says, what Jesus says, what God says. We don't just read it and hear it, right? We live by the word. Amen. The law of the Lord is the word of God. The law of God is perfect. Okay. In Psalms 19, Verse 7, it says the law of the Lord is perfect. So let's support what I just said. Converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, means it's absolute, 100%. Making wise the simple. If it was not perfect, meaning if the word of God or the law of the Lord was not perfect, there will not be power to convert a soul. In this series, we're going to learn about the people of the Old Testament days. How did they treat the word of God? Were they even moved by it? Was the word of God valuable to them? Did they treat the word in a way that is pleasing to God? God will show evidence that he is pleased and compare that with what we are seeing today in the lives of those who say they honor God. Throughout this series, we're going to be able to judge ourselves if we are treating God's word acceptable to him with reverence and honor. Amen. We will allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and become the person God wants us to be. The word of the Lord is perfect and it shall convert the soul. So as we go through this teaching, again, approach the implanted word with meekness. Receive it and allow it to transform you, okay? When we pray, we talk to God. When we hear the teachings and read the word, God talks to us. God talks to anyone who hears the word. Okay, so remember that if you hear it, it's a divine encounter. It's on purpose. God's talking to you. God's talking to me. All are accountable, believers and non-believers who hear the word of God. What is astounding is that many who are believers seem not to be as serious as they should be. I want to read in 2 Kings 22. I'm going to actually read through verses 1 through 20 because I want you to understand the story of King Josiah. Starting in verse 1, Josiah was 8 years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So King Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now it came to pass in the 18th century of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the scribe, the son of Alziah, the son of Meshalom, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. Verse 5, And let them deliver into the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to prepare the damages of the house. Verse 6, to the carpenters and builders and masons and to buy timber and hoonstone to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. Verse 8, then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, whoever see the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Achim the son of Shaphan, Akbar the son of Micaiah, Shaphan 
the scribe and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Verse 14. So Hilkiah the priest, Hakim, Akbar, Shaphen, and Isaiah went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke with her. Verse 15, then he said to them, thus says the Lord of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants all the words of this book, which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hand. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. Verse 18, but as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord and you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants that they would become desolation and a curse and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Amen. So to understand, he was a young king in the restoration business, restoring the house of God, right? So we understand early on, because King Josiah operated in the ways of the Lord, that God was with Josiah. As he was searching for what was wrong, so he could help make it right, so the church could be restored, all who were committed to restoring the house of God were also restored. Anyone who joins the movement of God is committed, okay? They're not just involved. Then they will be restored. And King Josiah and all the people with him were committed to the restoration movement, okay? That's what we're learning here. The king before Josiah Use the house of God for demonic worship. So you can imagine King Josiah's task. Okay, so that was a high level overview. King Josiah wants to be righteous. He operates righteously. When he learned the word of God, he realized how terrible previous kingships have been before him. Using the house of God for demonic worship, lighting incense, right, to different gods. Of course, this angered the Lord. To restore this is a big task. You're having to reverse, work backwards. So remember, there's a big difference with being involved and committed. King Josiah had those who were committed, right? Not just there. And for example, you aren't involved with your spouse. You're committed, right? You're in a committed marriage, not an involved marriage. Involvement just ruins a person. Anyone who commits to his restoration will be restored. Meaning if you're committed to restoring the house of God, you will also be restored. If you're just involved, you just put yourself on a platform of accountability. Why aren't you committed? You understand? So to be committed to the Lord, it's going to result in our restoration. And we join not to be blessed, but to be part of the people who are committed because we love the Lord. Remember Peter said, 
that we left on followed the one. We followed Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, there is no one who has left house, lands, wives, etc. For my sake and the gospel's sake, it is impossible that you will not receive 100 fold now in this time. So if you commit to the Lord, you will be blessed now and in the future. You're further blessed because you get eternal life in paradise with Jesus. Amen. Let's go back to 2 Kings 22, which is what we just read on King Josiah. And remember, Helkiah said, I have found the book of the law. The king was instantly convicted and humbled himself before the Lord. He acted on his conviction and God exempted him from the judgment and the calamity that was coming to his land. God saw his tender heart. The king heard the word once. Let's note that. He heard the word once and he listened and he responded. And after hearing it just once, the Lord spared him. Isn't God so good? This is something not seen nowadays. It seems like the word of God is not meant for the recipient. People assume it's not for them or for the person next to them. Are you guilty of this? This is not how King Josiah behaved and he was the king. Can you imagine a king, somebody with a status? It was even more difficult for someone of his status to humble himself. And King Josiah tore his royal garment to show he was convicted. This is marvelous humility to see the king act in this way. When the word convicts us, it brings humility into our hearts. It doesn't matter what our status is. God doesn't look at status. He looks at your heart. This was a display of conviction and fear of the Lord from King Josiah because the word of God was honored immediately and given respect with fear and trembling. It speaks to King Josiah's belief in God. The word of God is alive. And to King Josiah, he understood it was God speaking to him. Josiah inquired what God thought of him because he valued what God thought, which is why he sent someone to inquire through the prophetess. Okay, God replied graciously because Josiah cared for the restoration of the word of God. How did God know this? He saw his heart. If you don't take the word of God for yourself, you count the number of days of trouble on its way to your life. When we fail to respond, the wrath of God will come upon us. We will start to see troubles in our life. That is without a doubt. When we reject the word of God, this is our fate. Trouble. Rejection is when the word is preached and not taken seriously and there's a failure to respond. So you could even believe it, right? But you don't allow it to penetrate your heart and you don't respond. No one's going to force you to respond. It's your choice. And failure to respond is rejecting. So you can say with your mouth that Jesus is real, but if you don't do what he says, that's rejection. This is why we have ears to hear the word. That's why Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. If there are some in your life that you preach the word, yet they ignore it, you spend all your time sharing and offering counsel. The day of trouble is coming to their life. The word of God is alive and powerful, but people don't understand what that means. So again, this is a new study that must be taken seriously and understood and failure to do this, to take it seriously and understand is so dangerous. And these words are going to judge us. Remember, the word of God judges us. And in Mark 8, 38, it talks about for whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Jesus talks about this. Don't be ashamed when many people mock and ridicule you for the way that you are and how serious you serve the Lord. Many are ashamed to be ridiculed today. But Jesus warns us. 
And remember in Isaiah 55, which we read at the beginning of this podcast, God is saying, so shall my word be. It shall not return to me void. Void as in it shall not have no effect. Right? It shall accomplish what I please. Remember what the prophet Jeremiah said, the word is like fire, but today it's preached in the church, yet people don't get burned. Why? Because they reject it. God is saying this through Jeremiah. God declares this, not Jeremiah. Okay? God declares this. The church rejects the word. If the word was not rejected, it would change a person. And you know, even today you can ask someone, what did you learn today at church? And people can't remember. Why? Because they didn't take it seriously. You know, there is going to be a day where hunger is going to come that the people are going to want the word of God and many will not be able to find preachers teaching the true teachings of God. It's going to be deception, incorrect teachings, sugar-coated teachings, more of what we're seeing today. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Remember, we read this and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. So understand all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and profitable. We should use it for everything, scolding, encouraging, all things to equip man and women to meet the standard of God. Man must be equipped with the word of God. The word of God is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Psalms 19.7. And again, it converts the soul. We are to seek the kingdom of God first in his righteousness. Remember Matthew 6.33. People today need to understand what this means and how we can accomplish it. You must understand what it means to seek. Then you must understand the kingdom of God. Seek to diligently work for, right? To seek, to find, to thoroughly, meticulously put a lot of energy forth, right? To find. If you want to seek the Lord, you must fulfill the obligation until you find him. And seek is not trust in God, okay? There's an action, a thorough, meticulous searching, seeking. Then the kingdom of God, the church building is not the kingdom of God. I want to talk about the parable of the growing seed. This is Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. Verse 26, and it reads, and he said, he is capitalized, that's God. God said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed shall sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. Verse 29. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So not a church meeting, not a prayer meeting, not a seminar, not planting seeds, but just scattering them. Planting implies digging and covering. This is scattering. The seed should sprout and grow. The word of God does not require help. Okay, it's scattered and it should sprout and grow. We just need to speak it. Amen. This is part of the commandment of God, the will of God, to make disciples, to speak the gospel, to scatter it. It will judge people who do not take it and bless those who receive it right away. That's a promise of God. You don't plant the word, you scatter it. You release the word. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, don't be confused with this verse because it's not related. A lot of people will argue that 1 Corinthians 3, 6 contradicts what I'm teaching here, but it's not related. This 
in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it talks about the division of labor. Nothing to do with this. The word of God is explosive. Okay. It's going to judge you. And it's just a matter of time. It's on a timer for you. It's powerful and alive. The parable of the sower is Mark 4, 3. And it says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. So listen and behold, a sower went out to sow. Some seeds fell by the wayside. Jesus explains this parable. Okay. And the sower is sowing the word of God. And when it says by the wayside, we should understand that when people hear the word of God, that Satan comes immediately to take it away. The birds are symbolic of Satan. Think of it like this. You give someone the word of God in counsel, but the person doesn't take it seriously. Next, Satan comes to take the counsel and the words of value that you gave to come and take it away. Why did the bird have to take it? Because it was just laying there. It's not received. But if it's just laying there, why does Satan have to take it? Because the word is powerful. If it stays there, it's going to continue to work because the Lord said it shall not return to me void. When we scatter the word, when we speak it, it will not return void. This is why Satan is working so diligently to take it. When you travel to Venice next time, there's a square with many pigeons. I've been there. There's food available that you can scatter for the pigeons that are in Venice Square. And all the birds come. They remove all the food. It's gone so, so quickly. Why? Because it's food for them. If it's not for you, it's available for them. So again, if that food is the word of God, Satan must come to clean it up if it was not received. If it's just laying there, it's powerful. So it's got to go. He must destroy it. This series is structured. Okay, and I hope and pray that this series will change our attitude on how we handle the word of God. Holy is the word of God. May many more people stop leaving church the same and returning the same. And may man and woman today Allow the word to truly transform them so their souls can be saved. Hell is real, people. Hell is real and it's awful. And the word of God can save you. If only you approach the implanted word and you receive it with meekness. Humble yourself. Understand that the word of God is not going to agree with us, but it's to transform us, to convict us, to correct us. It's good. And it's good because it's coming from Jesus. Let us allow the word of God to judge us now so that we can be righteous. So that when the Lord returns to the air, may we be caught up with him. May we be caught up with him, but our soul must be saved. Amen. There is more to come. And I look forward to this new series with you. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.